Okay, everyone, did you think it was gonna be different? Well, so did I. What I've learned is that I'm not your typical daughter, mom, ex-wife, business owner, or maybe I am, but I just don't know it because no one talks about it. We are all too busy with a bunch of different balls in the air to take time to process, well, just about anything. But that is all gonna change with this tribe. Ladies, I'm one of you. I've been there and done that. And we don't need to go through it alone. Will we be practical? Yep. Will we be goofy? Absolutely. Will we swear? You bet your sweet ass. By the way, little secret, this is not going to be the podcast you want to listen to in the van with your kids. So ladies, slip on your heels because we all feel more powerful in heels. Grab your wine because it's five o'clock somewhere. And let's dive into Not Your 1950s Housewife with me, Gina Seminary. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. I am so excited for everyone to be listening to another podcast episode. And today, I, we are chatting with Stacy Hope Small. Um, fascinating way how the two of us met. Um, but actually, I took my kids down to the city a few months ago to go get a haircut and do fun things down in Rochester. And we decided we wanted a cup of coffee. We walk into a coffee shop, which actually turns out being a dog shop where you can bring your dogs. And my kids start talking with Stacy. So lo and behold, a cup of coffee later, neither of us had dogs in this dog restaurant. Come to find out, Stacy's a writer and a CEO and a luxury travel expert. And she's a graduate of the Newhouse School of Communications from Syracuse University. And she spent half of her career as a travel reporter before launching her company, Elite Travel International, in 2005. She specializes in taking the hassle out of high-level travel in her role as a go-to luxury travel advisor for rock stars, CEOs, celebrities, and entrepreneurs seeking a global-minded, modern approach to worldwide travel requests. Hey, Stacey! (laughs) Hey, Gina. It's so nice to connect with you again. I just had a flashback to our, our meeting at the coffee shop. I know. It was uh, slightly awkward, but it worked out well. <laughs> <laughs> it was quite fun. It was quite, I was so happy to be back in Rochester, where, as you know, is where I grew up. Right. I know. And so, talk about serendipity, which we're actually going to talk about a few of the words you mentioned in this book. Um, yeah, you were back promoting, actually, the book that we're going to talk about, Why Not Me? Um, and you were doing a release party. Was that correct? I was doing a book signing at Park Lee. The book came out actually on Valentine's Day. It was published um, on Amazon. And I was invited to, it was my favorite childhood story. I also was doing the book signing as a charity in honor of my mom, who loved Park Lee. She's no longer with us as I lost her to breast cancer a few years ago. But it was wonderful because a lot of my childhood friends and my mom's friends showed up and it was really a beautiful day. So I met you that morning that we had that book signing in the afternoon. See, we sent out the good vibes for you. Yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> so yes, you had mentioned at the time that you had a book and you were talking to me a little bit about what it, you know, the content behind it. And it was actually right at the same time I was trying to figure out what I was going to read on my 40th birthday trip for myself, which was an African <laughs> safari. And I thought, you know what, this will be a great book, right? It'll be it's the, the content and what you talk about is exactly why I was taking this African safari by myself <laughs> for 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> um, So I quickly purchased it. It got right back to me thanks to Amazon. 
And I read this while I was on my trip and I loved it. Awesome. It was so good. And it's, it's one of these books where, as I was just explaining to you, I was folding corners and I had a, I had a four colored pen and I literally used all four colors. Right. Um, just because there was so much, so much that was heading home with me. Um, but why don't you kind of explain to everybody how you got to writing this book? Yeah, sure. I, but there's a, a short version of a very long story, but the, one of my friends who happens to be in PR and who had helped me with some book signings describes my book as the self-help book for people that don't either know they need some self-help or actually think they don't like self-help books. So I wrote this book to share my journey, never really to tell people how to change their life or what they should be doing. But I grew up in Rochester and um, kind of had what most people considered sort of a perfect childhood, two really wonderful parents, loving parents. We lived in Brighton. Um, and then as life went on, it got a little challenging. I lost both my parents to cancer in their 60s. So they were the healthy, you know, it, it was, we were the family that really no one expected this to happen to. And I was busy growing my travel business after 15 years of traveling around the world as a writer and magazine editor and living what most people would consider a really glamorous life. Um, and it was for a while, it was really fun to run around the world and meet amazing people and write about hotels. It also got really exhausting. And then when my dad got diagnosed with cancer and then my mom got diagnosed with breast cancer, things just kind of started to, to feel differently. And I felt more compelled to spend time at home with my family, to be there with them. And it was really challenging to juggle a growing travel business, a family with two parents, you know, battling cancer at the same time, living in LA, which was fun, but far away from my parents on the East Coast. So a lot of things were happening. And the, the short version is in 2014, after I lost my mom, I started attending some Deepak Chopra conferences. I started reading every single book I could on grief and trauma and how to recover fast from this because I really didn't want it to hinder my life or hinder my ability to enjoy my life, which it really was. Um, and then I had an epiphany. I was on Maui, the island of Maui, which is where I've always gone for some peace and quiet and relaxation. And it just became clear to me that I needed to spend some more time there. So my book is the story of everything that I learned um, while on the island for over a year. I moved my dogs out there. I set up a I set up house out there, ran my business from there and came back to California last year and wrote this book to share everything that I learned from slowing down my life and focusing on my health and my happiness and deleting toxicity from my life because I don't wanna have the same um, you know, end as, as my parents. I wanna live a long, happy, healthy life. So that's kind of what the book is about. And I think it's really hitting home with a lot of people that are struggling with what's the next step what is going to bring me the most joy in my life. And that's what the book is designed to inspire people to think about. And I love, one of the very first things I loved about the book is the fact that you incorporated music into it. Oh, yes. <laughs> no one, I mean, oh, yes. I'm, I'm 40 years old. I've read many books. No one's ever yes. done that. And as soon as it was like in the right in the, the beginning. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, I'm going to freaking love this book. Because for those of you yeah. who haven't gotten it yet, I highly recommend it. At the end of each chapter, she basically puts like a Spotify playlist that are the songs that, yep. you know, would get you motivated or are going to, you know, you'd think about when you are reading this chapter and it was awesome. And you even titled them each like, you know, 
yeah. surf the waves playlist. Like it was so creative. Yeah. Thank you. You can find, I mean that you, I love music. Music is like when I was living on that Island, as you can imagine, it gets pretty isolating sometimes. And I'd find myself just creating playlists that would make me happy or relaxed or I was doing themed playlists that would go along with sort of my, you know, where I was. And I've just always really, I think I want to be a DJ in my next life or something. I've always loved creating playlists and Spotify makes it so easy. So when you, when you do read my book, yeah. I mean, what I did at the end was just try to think of about, you know, eight to 12 songs that I played during the writing of the book or that were motivating to me. And Hopefully, you know, you, anybody who's into that can just go on Spotify and search for the names of the, of the playlist and find them. It was awesome. I was like, this is going to be a great book. <laughs> well, so yeah, it started off with that. And then right in the second chapter, you start introducing words that I've never even heard of before, um, but that are run in parallel, the ones that I've always incorporated in my life. Um, so a long time ago, I heard of... Um, I actually had not heard of what you had used, which was synchro destiny. Right. right? Um, but I've typically heard of synchronicity, right? When yep. chance and purpose collide, but I had never heard of synchro synchro destiny. Um, so like you had explained it as what happens when what we envision happening actually occurs, right? When it comes to fruition. Right. Um yeah. And that's what you were talking about in this one chapter was, you know, anything's possible if you believe it is, right? Mm -hmm. Your point, like I moved my business for an entire year and I lived on Maui um, <laughs> to try to try and figure out kind of what's next, where do I go from here? How do I make this life? And by doing so, all of that occurred through Synchro Destiny. Yeah, it's, I mean, it kind of freaks me out actually some days because it's so, when you're tuned in and you do believe in this type of thing, I think it makes life a lot easier and more fun because now things happen and I just, it makes me smile. Like if I see certain numbers or a rainbow or certain things that happen that remind me of my mom, just as I'm thinking of her, it's never a coincidence from where I, you know, my perspective now. I got a good education in all of that from Deepak Chopra. And if you haven't read some of his books, he actually has one titled synchro destiny and kind of what happens when you give in to the belief that really truly anything can happen and there really aren't coincidences i don't think you and i meeting in the coffee shop that day was a random coincidence we could look at it as one but right look it's led us to here and i think you were you know meant to read my book so i think it it's more than synchronicity that synchronicity to me sounds a little bit like hmm, okay but synchro destiny is really truly what is supposed to happen once you believe in the law of divine timing and that there's a higher power that's sort of helping guide you and that everything is happening exactly as it's supposed to my other favorite um one of my lessons that i've learned a lot is that life happens for us not to us so whether your parents have died or your kids are causing trouble or whatever you think your challenges are whatever it is it's happening so that you can learn from it, grow from it, break your heart, whatever you need to do to kind of get to the next level. And it's always happening for us, not to us. And that has gotten me through a lot the last five years. And I completely agree with you. And I mean, you don't even know, but I'm dealing with some professional stuff right now that's been quite stressful. And when I was in yoga this morning, I remember, I remembered you actually saying that in your book and it was like, mm -hmm. okay, like more doors are going to open <laughs> because of what's going on right now. Um, yeah. And it's almost like switch the way, switch the way you're thinking of it in your brain. Um, 
and think of it more of a positive. And this is kind of, this was how it was supposed to happen. I just maybe was caught off guard or wasn't planning it, but this is how it's supposed to go. I mean, shit happens. Yeah. I mean, I think back to my business before I went to Maui and I had some challenging relationships and I was having trouble keeping an assistant. I wasn't attracting the kind of people that were the right people to support my business or that I was in sync with. So I really needed to take a step back and go be on an island for a year and let everything kind of settle down as it was supposed to, and then come back and rebuild some things that I had some challenges with with my business. And now my colleague who supports me on my team is amazing. I mean, I, I couldn't have attracted a better person. And that's not because I'm, you know, that's because I'm different and I'm attracting a different level of person that is designed to be in my life. So whatever happened before, it doesn't matter. Wayne Dyer said it best. He said, nobody can have a different um, past, so you might as well just let it go. So whatever shit kind of has happened in the past, you can be annoyed about it or upset about it, or you can just say, okay, what's, I guess the universe has something bigger and better for me. Yep. How did you go to Maui and still continue (laughs) to run your business or did you just maintain? Um, you know, it's funny. I really needed a little bit of a break. I, I learned how to delegate a lot more. It wasn't something I was very good at. But when my mom died in February of 2014, we're coming up on six years now, I cracked. I mean, I really was like, I didn't know how I was going to run my business. And I quickly realized that if I kept trying to do it the way I was, I wasn't going to do my clients you know, a, a service. I wasn't going to be able to manage things at the level that I really expect myself to and that my clients expect me to. So I brought in one of my, my very close friends had been working with me for a while and I just started to delegate a lot more to her. And we started splitting some of the business and I just kind of let her take on a little bit more so that when I did decide to go to Maui, I had a partner, you know, I had somebody supporting me. My clients were really happy because they had a team, they had her and I, and that's still how it is now. It kind of forced me to learn how to partner with some people that are super competent and work more as a team player versus just doing it all myself as I always had done. So I surrounded myself with some really strong people and I just got honest with people. The big thing was not being afraid to tell people I'm taking a couple of days off or I'm not going to be checking email today. Allison's available. Julie's available. Here's their info. And if we lost a few clients, you know, that didn't want to wait a couple hours for us and this is still how it is. I value each and every one of my clients, but if they're in a rush or they don't want to wait a day or two, if we're jammed up, I'm not going to sacrifice my health and well-being to rush and stay up late and respond to emails 24-7. That is like terrible for your health, as I've learned. Right. So I ran my, I ran my business in a much quieter way. I had a little, um, they called it an Ohana, a little separate little studio from my house that I created a little office space. And funny enough, Gina, most people on Maui didn't have a clue what I did because Nobody ca- There's a chapter in my book that says nobody cares what you do and whether you make your money waiting tables, cleaning houses, selling travel, nobody cares. Nobody really asks about it. It's just sort of what time are we playing tennis today or what time do you want to go to the beach? And nobody really cares, which was a really nice, refreshing time after years and years and years of being forced to like be defined by what do I do for a living. And moving at such a fast pace, because one of the chapters I was just giggling on was, you know, island time is the right time. Trust the slow process. And I highlighted one section in here about how the fact like you almost were having trouble adjusting to the pace that, that, or the the lack of time or the lack of pace, I guess is how you would describe it. Like there, 
I mean, you, you have to adapt. It's like, you can't go. And, and I was slowed down a lot when I left New York city and moved to LA and thought that I was operating at a slower pace. And then I get to Maui and there it's, you know, there's one cashier and there's a line of 12 people, but those 12 people all know each other. Some of them are surfers or hanging out, getting their morning coffee. And you just really need to be prepared to kind of chill out and wait or you're going to be the one that's, you know, you feel kind of stupid if you're tapping your foot or you're acting impatient. Nobody honks at each other on the roads. It's a very, you know, practice aloha, live Kono. The, the terms I use are just basically chill out. This isn't the mainland is the, the theme there. And it's still how I try to live my life. On my SGV now, I slapped a practice aloha sticker to remind myself and whoever is driving behind me because now I get irritated if somebody honks at me, like chill out, you know, it, it's just not, doesn't need to be that way. Well, that was, as I was reading this, I was giggling because yeah. I was stressing out thinking about your coffee experience. Cause that was like, I was feeling your stress mm-hmm. I <laughs> back to the empath that we were talking about. Yeah, that was a true But story. on the flip side, what I wrote down was, can you actually continue to live that lifestyle here in the States, right? Like, do you feel like you're always swimming upstream? It's, it's interesting you asked that. I think I was drawn to live in San Diego, where I, I live in North County, San Diego, which is a really, really nice, mellow community. And it's not LA. Every time I go to LA now, I couldn't do that again. I definitely couldn't do a city again. Living in San Diego has given me a chance to sort of slowly reintegrate into the mainland life, but it's, it's challenging. Some days there's still people out there that are wanting my full-on attention and busy, but I work from home. I'm fortunate that I have three beautiful rescue dogs that kind of keep me, you know, they're, they're just an instant calm. And I have signs all over my house. And all, if you come here, there's crystals everywhere. It says practice aloha everywhere, like reminders to myself of what's most important. And that's my health, mentally, spiritually, emotionally, physically. And even if things are spinning around me, one of the questions I saw in your notes here, what's your superpower that I was thinking about? I think my superpower has really become being able to stay calm amidst the chaos and pull myself out of it. If it's feeling too much, come hang out at home for the day or you know, chill with my dogs and not get caught up in it because it, it is a challenge. There's definitely days where I'm like, just get me back to Maui. <laughs> well, and one of the things that I love is that you are entrepreneurial, right? I mean, yeah. you have your hands in lots of different things. So you are a busy woman. And one of the last chapters of the book is all about self-care. Like this is not selfish. This is stuff you need to do. And you talk about all the different things that you do. And you even give us tips on things that we can do, like eight different tips, like to just kind of check in with you and, you know, ways that you can help it and how it, you know, it's vitally important to your health and your well-being and probably your business at the end. Yep. Um, and I think just a lot of people, to your point, they feel guilty doing that. Yeah. Right. And it's, I think it's our culture that we're in and it's how do we go about, like, I think of my kids, like, how do I go about raising a generation that doesn't do it the same way we did or we continue to do mm-hmm. um, so that they're better equipped to handle what life throws at them, right? At not a warped speed. Right. Uh, And one of the things that you talk about, which is, you know, I mean, you do the yoga, but one of the things that I was intrigued about and and I've incorporated into my life somewhat inconsistently is meditating. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
And you mentioned you do it twice a day. I try. I could, if I could meditate all day, I'd be happy. I mean, I find that I get my best, like when I can clear my head and sometimes I'm meditating, I'm not sitting there in a lotus pose with my, you know, and humming. It's like, sometimes I just sit on the couch for 20 minutes, just step away and I just get quiet or I turn on some really mellow music and I just, there's also some guided meditations. I can send you some links to some that I really love listening to. So it takes the, it doesn't feel like a chore. It's like, wow, I really enjoy this. This is something sometimes instead of like, I don't go to spin class anymore because that actually, I've learned that raises my cortisol and it's not good for my body. At 50 years old, I have to do things that are good for my body. And meditating for a half hour is better for me than going for a run at the beach at this stage in my life. So I've learned what my body likes. I learned what works. And then my brain is clear and I can come back with better ideas. And I'm like excited to tackle my inbox and deal with my clients. So yeah, I take a lot of mini breaks during the day. I try to every morning before I check my email and before I get going, sit quietly with a cup of coffee and my dogs outside and just take 20 to 30 minutes to let things sort of, to just not let my brain go in a million directions. And it's not easy. Like you said, it's, it's easy to be inconsistent, but once it becomes part of your practice and this is something too I learned at the Chopra Center. I was on a week-long program and twice a day is what they had us scheduled to do a 30-minute meditation. When you're meditating with Deepak up there leading the meditation, saying, what do you want? What are your deepest desires? What are you most grateful for? And how may I serve? Those four questions kind of become like daily on repeat. And if you can find a mantra or find something that resonates like that, I think I get excited to sit and think about those things now. So I don't look at it as something that I have like to find time to do. It's a necessity for sure. Okay. So a few things stuck out. One is you're meditating for 30 minutes at a time. Sometimes, sometimes like three hours. No, like I'm not a napper. I'm like, so the calm app that I use where I do the daily calm for 10 minutes, isn't like, is that like not enough? (laughs) Well, I think if you try to set yourself up on a schedule or use it, and there's a lot of great apps, find what works for you. I'm going to send you a couple guide links and you can share them if you want, but there's some really great like YouTubers and some people out there that do some very like positive vibes, vibe raising, you know, meditations that I want to listen to for the 30 or 40 minutes. I do full moon meditations. I change it up so that I don't get bored with the same old, same old. Oh, okay. So like, as I was writing this, I wrote like 2020 meditation twice a day, question mark. And I was like, I'm pretty sure I could carve out twice a day where I'm going to meditate for 10 minutes at a time. That's a total of 20 minutes. Of course I can, you're carving out an hour. Well, you'll, you'll see, you'll get addicted and your kids are in school. And so you can like, if you've got 20 minutes and you're like driving and you pull over for 10 minutes, I've learned to do that too. Go sit in a parking lot and like put the car in park and turn on some music and just do it for 10 minutes. Well, like we were talking, whenever you get but a it's interesting that you say that, you know, you like to have your mind not really think of anything when you're meditating. And I have found for myself, and this is probably because I'm an empath that when I'm by myself, that's like when I when everything starts to make sense. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's peace and quiet. And it's, um, it's like my brain can finally function at the speed it wants without so much noise and energy and vibes from everything else that I'm finally like, Oh, like now I have so much clarity on this business thing or this yeah. relationship thing for my kids and my parenting. Like, <laughs> now I get it. yeah. I mean, I think you do have kids and that adds a whole nother thing in there because you can't just think about yourself. And for me, my dogs are my kids, but it's different. I mean, it's, I can hire a dog sitter and go out of town for two weeks and that's it. But most of my friends do have kids and I know the ones that have taken the time to develop a meditation practice or just quiet time. I think that people get scared off with that term, you know, meditation practice or 
do what feels right. You know, it's, I do it on airplanes because you, you're stuck. You're always on a plane for a couple hours and that's a great time to get quiet and just put on your ear, you know, earphones and tune out and think about what, what do I want? Those are the questions is what are my deepest desires? How may I serve? And what am I grateful for? And I just kind of let those questions run through my head. That's great. And it's interesting too, because I've learned that you're not really looking for answers. You're just kind of sending them out there, right? Like then don't spend time thinking of like, you know, how can I serve? Like, okay, well I could do this and I could like, don't start to answer it. Let it go. No, the answers come, the answers come. Everything good happens in the shower (laughs) or at 3am in bed when I wake up. That's when the answers come. (laughs) <laughs> those answers. I know I like, I have a couple of crystals I keep and I, someone taught me this and it's where you let go of your fears and doubts and then you manifest what you want. And like a shower, like a waterfall almost like let any energy that you don't need with the day. I take a hot shower every night and just wash off whatever energy doesn't need to come with me. And then I start the next morning, hmm. every morning manifesting what I do want to bring into my life. I love it. There's so much in that self-help chapter. I was like, Oh, this, we are cut from the same cloth girl. <laughs> Yeah. Even just like, don't drive on the freeway. I mean, it's different in Rochester. I didn't find the freeways very stressful in Rochester because people, it's just not as busy, but in cities like where I've lived, like LA and even here in San Diego, five lane highways completely stress me out because there's just so much (laughs) going on. And I just leave enough time and I take side streets and I don't care about the lights. Like at least then I'm not having cars whiz by me and like screw with my brain and make me feel ungrounded. So then- have you ever thought since you've published the book that there's a chapter you should have added? You know, it's funny. Originally, I wanted to do like 22 chapters. I had so much more to say. And then I decided about a year ago when I was writing this that I don't need to tell everybody everything in the first book. Most of the books that I've loved that I've read from other people, I like when they start it with enough to kind of, you know, get you inspired or interested and then have like people like Marianne Williamson, Louise Hay, Wayne Dyer, if you Google any of them, they've got tons of books and each one has something different. So I didn't want to, I didn't want to make this a 400 page memoir about my life. There's enough other books out there like that. This is more of a teaching memoir. It's designed to kind of be a starter self-help book for people looking to kind of, I, I don't know. I feel like, you know, I distilled down a lot of the info that I learned from all these other authors that you and maybe others wouldn't be drawn to or read because there's great stuff in there. It's just a lot. So I've, I've read it all and I feel like my mission is to kind of share what I found most helpful and put that into my own voice and share that with my story in a series of books. So if there was anything else I would have wanted to put in there, um, I think it, you know, just the the focus on really staying open because I had no idea what this year was going to look like. The book came out in February and I kind of think I'm here in San Diego where I'm supposed to be doing what I'm doing. And I, I keep feeling surprised actually. Like I didn't see some things coming that are coming down the pipe now for 2020 that I'm super excited about. And I think that's just an important thing too. never think you have it all figured out because there's definitely surprises all the time and staying open to that is the most important thing and not resisting it. I love it. So you kind of hinted to another book. Yeah, I was in Bali in May and I thought I was going to write one book because so many epiphanies happened there. But now I just turned 50 and I had an amazing two weeks in Maui with my friends and had a really fun birthday celebration. And I think what I keep hearing from people that tell me they've read my book, that they're like you, learning things about being an empath or the need for self-care and that there's a lot more to say about that. Like, what is it really like to be a modern day empath? 
for me, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a CEO, I'm a dog mom, I have all these other things, but at the end of the day, I have to do all those things um, as a highly sensitive empath. So I think my next book will include tips on that, what I do, you know, just kind of sharing how I get through the world when this is, the, that's the facts. I have to do it um, a little bit differently than most people. And I think a lot of people are, are feeling the same way. And one of the things that you've done recently, which I found interesting is, you know, people can connect with Stacy on Instagram and Facebook, and you used to be a pretty big Twitter person. Tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, I was a huge Twitter. I, I like won awards for my tweeting. I spoke about how to use Twitter for, you know, the growth of your small business back in 2008, 9, 10, when that was growing. And for me, back then I was just growing my travel business. I didn't have a marketing budget. Everybody was complaining about how the economy was tanking and how are we going to get new clients? And then Twitter came on the, on the scene. And for me, that was a tool to connect with people that I never would have connected before. Tech execs, celebrities, authors, some of the conversations I've had with the most fascinating people started over Twitter because it became this platform where you could engage and ask people questions. And next thing I know, I've got like 75,000 Twitter followers. But a few years ago, when I was starting to focus more on my writing and knowing I wanted to write a book, I changed my Twitter handle from Elite Travel Gal, which started to me to sound... I didn't want to be just known as Elite Travel Gal. I wanted to be known as Stacy Hope Small because that's who was going to be writing the book and doing my blog posts. So I changed my handle and I really, honestly, I think I lost some followers. I haven't gotten any, you know, not too many new followers since then. So I've just been on there as me more as an observer and reading the news and the politics and trying to stay abreast of everything. And I decided a couple of weeks ago, this is exhausting. Every time I look at it, I just feel and it's not that I don't want to know what's happening in the world. I do, but there's a million other ways to, to keep up with that sort of, you know, turning on the news when I feel like it or Googling something specific, but I really don't want to see 20 politicians screaming at each other mixed in with my spiritual <laughs> teachers mixed in with my health and wellness stuff. And like, it's too it's much. Like multiple personalities. It's like I walk into a room and everyone's yelling and, and the cats and I don't just mean our president. It's freaking everybody, like all the supporters, all the haters. And I don't know. I just said, this is not fun. I don't even think people care what I have to say on here anymore. So you can find me on Instagram. I post a lot of pretty photos of where I'm traveling, of my dogs, of positive sayings. And just the past two weeks, I've had people say, please keep posting more. Like we love your Instagram page. And it's, it's notes to me too, as reminders, if you look at it, it's stuff that I'm telling myself daily and sharing with whoever sees it, but there's no yelling. There's no like negativity. Um, my Facebook page is, I look at Facebook as my database and my way to stay connected to, to friends and colleagues and clients. So say what you want about Facebook to me. It's a super, you know, fun, enjoyable platform to stay connected to people in my life and also to share stories with potential clients who might see where I'm traveling and things that I post along the way. So for now, I didn't know that I'd be comfortable walking away from Twitter where I have all those followers still like 74,000, but I don't think anyone cares. And I know that I have at least an extra hour or two in the day that I'm not scrolling through there and reading everybody's stuff. It's more time that I can meditate or more time I can focus on my next book and getting clear about what I actually want to do versus, you know, reading everybody's stuff. So yeah, it's, it's been an interesting couple of weeks because first time ever, I took a two week hiatus from checking my email and I went off Twitter. So it was like turning off all this noise that had been going on for so long. And I'd highly recommend that, you know, if you run a business where you have a colleague or a partner who can check your email and respond.
respond and not just put an ad of office, but also actually have somebody checking your email every day. So nothing, you know, so clients don't feel like they're not getting paid attention to, but everybody mm -hmm. was understanding and people texted me, wish me happy birthday. Not one person said, I'm never working with you again because you didn't answer my email. <laughs> they're like, welcome back. Right. Now can we talk, you know, it's like they were perfectly happy. And I think, um, if I can do things like that to set an example and show people, I'm the CEO of the company and I just took a two mil, you know, week email break. The world survived, the world went on. Right. I think it's great. <laughs> it's I absolutely love it. It was a little hard to come <laughs> back, let's be honest. I mean, you know, and it's like- it's, Yeah, you have the, yep, take a deep breath and dive into it. <laughs> my, my, my assistant said to me, she's like, I, are you okay if I keep checking your email early in the morning? Cause she's on the East coast and I'm on the West coast and she likes like, kind of taking the initiative and doing that. So I'm thrilled because it gave us a chance to try that out. And now I can start my day a little less stressed and a little slower because I know she's got it. She's checking it three hours before I even wake up. And if there's anything mm -hmm. time sensitive, we get to it and she handles it. So it's been good for me and for her and for my clients to see that we, you know, we're a strong team. They don't, if I'm out of town or taking a break, it's, everything's still going to be fine. Got it. Well, I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Oh, this has been fun. I love, you know, I'm glad that my book inspired you. There's, um, you know, I think there's a lot of messages in there for people that are trying to figure out. It doesn't mean everyone needs to move to Maui and take a break. I think there's little things that everybody can do to make their life a little bit more joyful and positive and whatever, you know, resonates is what you should take with you. And that's ironic that you said that because I actually wanted to finish our podcast with a part of your book that was actually about joy. Okay. <laughs> um, because I loved this and I literally like folded the top corner, the bottom corner, I circled it. And it, it literally, what you say is here's the bottom line. Everyone goes through shit in their lives. It's how you consciously decide to work through that. That is ultimately going to determine if you let it piss you off long enough to steal your joy, or if you value peace and joy enough to stay the course. Once you realize how much happier you are when you opt to choose joy, it's pretty impossible to do anything else. Choose joy no matter how crappy life seems. There's always someone going through something worse than you are, and you always and you are always strong enough to handle whatever happens as part of your life plan. Aw, thank you for sharing that. Awesome. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, I tell myself 20 million times a day, choose joy, choose joy, choose joy. Like it just it is a choice, you know, and sometimes shit happens, but it, there's always a there's always a choice. There's always the this too shall pass, my grandma always said. So well, thank you so much for joining me and chatting with us this afternoon. Really and then, fun. like I said, podcast listeners, you can get Stacy. Don't go on Twitter. You're not going to get much from her there right now, <laughs> but go Facebook and Instagram. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You can find me there and, and there'll definitely be more books and you can find my current book, like Gina said, on, on Amazon. Just Google Stacy Small. Why not me? You'll find it. You got it. I highly recommend it, everybody. All right. Thanks, Stacy. Thanks, Gina. Talk to you soon. Thank you. Got it. Bye. Bye-bye. Hey tribe, thanks for tuning in today. I hoped you loved these few minutes you got to separate from your tactical life to do something for yourself. Of course, we're on iTunes, but Instagram is our place of choice. Follow us there, listen to past episodes, or DM me at Gina Seminary. Make sure you kick some ass today. Love ya.